Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. titles in six years. Yes, it is worth cheering for. Welcome to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, assistant editor at Second City Hockey, and I've got my two usual line mates with me this evening. First off, the analytics darling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price. Hi! I'm in the house board, and I'm in the house board. I, I think it's kind of redundant at this point that... <laughs> Boy, the, the lyric is board in the house, and I'm in the house board. Forgot oh, it. Sorry. Yeah. I missed that lyric <laughs> right over my head. No, I, I said it wrong the first time. That's okay. Well, you know, maybe maybe next week's episode you can come back and try it again. Yeah, let's try it again. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll <laughs> you know? write, it, write it down for next week. We'll, we'll do it. And then also with me, the, the usual uh, left winger on our, on our line and a uh, managing editor, and he does a lot of puns and, you know, what else? Uh, Brandon Kane's here. Day 63 without hockey. So six days from now, kind of nice. Well, I guess we'll have to report a, a podcast that that'll be what, next uh, Tuesday night. So nice, nice, nice. And Shepard, we were—I think I don't know if you texted me this or we were talking about this, but I'm told you finally cut off to the last dance. I did. I, uh, oh, I had. I had. A, I had enough time over the last week to catch up on it. So, so what'd you think? Again, it's nothing I personally didn't know. I mean, the the I really do find the baseball stuff fascinating. That like everybody's like, hey, he could have reached like the MLB if he stuck with it. Um, and then uh, the other fascinating thing is him uh, and the shoe comment that uh, Republicans buy shoes too. Oh, the, yeah, the, that was that was actually a joke. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it was a joke because. Like he claims a lot of things are jokes now nowadays, but it was poignant at the time, and it showed who Jordan was then. Um, that he did care to did care more about business. He's changed a lot. He donates a lot to causes now. Yeah, um, yeah. He he was, I think, famously not political during yeah, his yeah. playing career. And then he he's he's become away from the spotlight now as the spotlights move towards towards LeBron, he's gotten a lot, a lot more active. Yeah. I think that's been a big thing in the 2010s. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like athletes have always, there's always been some political things that have come out of athletes. Um, yeah. I mean, going back to, like to the beginning of sports, but I right. feel it, it, maybe this is recency bias, so I can't be entirely sure, but it does seem like it's more prominent now 
than it's ever been. I mean, there's more, there's more mics now than there has it's, ever been. Well, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's definitely easier now than it's ever been to voice your opinion on anything. So it's just more, more athletes are choosing to take advantage of that opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I guess more of them are not scared of the repercussions too, of speaking out about things that they think. Uh, Brandon, what about you? I, I, I assume you've caught up as well. Yeah. And as far as like people having more mics to share their opinions, like we're literally doing podcasts right now doing that. So <laughs> touche. Um, yeah, I, I watched the ESPN 30 for 30 Jordan rides the bus and that kind of, I did as well already laid the foundation of knowing about the baseball career stuff. So that was kind of like a, a known thing for me. Uh, I wish that they would show more of like the game action in the documentary just so people could see like how dominant he was compared to other players and how he adjusted to the big stars of the nineties and just made them look silly. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I think they did that. I can't remember which episodes, but there was one where they were doing like a Michael Jordan highlight reel and it, I remember like a few audible, like, oh my God, of things that he did on the court that I think you kind of forget just how dominant he was because it, it's just the, the gap between him and the rest of the NBA at times was so, so large. And just, just from a like speed, explosion, agility, everything, he just was so much more better <laughs> than everybody else. And, and like, you know, when you got like the 10th guy off the bench, trying to cover Michael Jordan, which didn't happen a ton, but every now and then he just made guys look like they didn't belong at a high school basketball team, let alone the NBA. Right. And he, and the thing is he was, he was, he wasn't playing against like today. He wasn't playing against Russell Westbrook, but he was out there. He, he was playing, playing some really good players. Like uh, Reggie Miller was still there. Um, and like, and they would just talk about Seattle and that was a great team. The, the supersonics then were fantastic. The the Michael the Gary Payton talking shit about I could have stopped Jordan if they'd let me cover him the whole season yeah. or slow him down. And then Jordan just like <laughs> laughing giddily like a child. That is the the memes are gonna be great. Um I'm I've already saved multiple gifts and pictures of Jordan's reaction in that moment to flood everyone's timeline with that's gonna be my only social media interaction for the next three months. Any Anytime anybody says anything to me, it will be Michael Jordan holding the screen and laughing, whether it's animated or not, I'll guess I'll decide in the moment. But that is like, I just, that, that is so perfectly encapsulates Michael Jordan is 25 years later, somebody said, Oh, I could have guarded him better. And he just laughs. And in such like, I've never heard so much condescension out of a laugh before. I liked the uh, story that he had on, Bradford Smith where he put oh, up yeah. I think it was 36 in a game and or 37 in a game and he was like I got your ass next or whatever it was and then he went out and he scored 36 in the first half yeah and all he did was go at that one guy and, that and everyone guy was just like "Ooh!" and he didn't do anything like the thing about LeBron no. <laughs> Smith putting his arm on Mike saying good game that never it never happened Jordan just made this shit up in his mind that this guy, this guy did something to me, and I, I, I don't know if he told the reporters or what, but the fact that he just made it up. Yeah, he just. Yeah, the, it's yeah. 
the the books go into that both of the books Halberstam and um Sam Smith both go into that that he is like what made him great at baseball that he that work ethic and that competitive drive it also makes him like have an inner fire that burns at all times and the slightest tinder will make him go off even if it's like something he invents is that he just constantly drives for for competitive for competition and i thought that's what like so many people have talked about the end of the seventh episode when jordan kind of teared up talking about his competitive streak and how it might have affected his perception as a nice guy because sometimes he was kind of a dick to his teammates but it's it's like the thing he said about winning has a price and i don't necessarily know if like the the price that he paid uh of being that competitive is required but that's the price that worked for him i guess that was the price that he came to and i don't know i don't obviously i'm biased here growing up in the chicago area in the 90s and loving everything about the bulls but i don't necessarily think it was the worst thing in the world that jordan was that intense because he never he never tried to make anybody do something he wasn't willing to do himself yeah right but like again, it's it's like it's like why Wayne Gretzky wasn't a great coach for the Arizona Coyotes is that he can he has these expectations that nobody else can meet because right. a it's either Michael Jordan or it's Wayne Gretzky they're the greatest in the sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I don't know how, I don't know how Jordan would be as a coach. Well, we know how he is as an owner. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean that's that's a whole different ballgame, I guess. But. But yeah, I don't know how – I don't know if I'm like – I'm not like offended by anything he did. I don't think – obviously, he, he crossed the line at times. You know, he punched Steve Kerr in the face. Can't do that. Um, some of the things But he doesn't said, Steve Kerr kind of have like a punchable face? No. It's <laughs> no. Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr does not have a punchable face. Bill Wennington kind of does now, if you can reach it. That uh, yeah yeah the upside down pitchfork facial hair I, that's not I, that that's uncalled for I, I I was trying to think <laughs> I was trying to think of somebody from the '90s Bulls with a punchable face and the first face I could think of <laughs> Lennington because of the facial hair he has now um yeah I don't know I I don't know who had a punchable face on that team but I I don't know it's just you're in professional sports you're in the business of winning and I don't. You know, it, it may not, it certainly isn't for everyone. I, I think there's a lot of guys that might have been turned off by what Jordan did, but Jordan was also going to take you to heights higher than any other player could take you to. So I guess that's a trade-off. It's it's kind of like being like on the Patriots, and yeah. in the you know the last twenty years is there. There's probably teams that are having a hell of a lot more fun at their jobs, but no one's had more success than the Patriots. So it's kind of it's kind of a pick your poison. Is like, do you really want to win? at just about all costs to the point where you're not really having fun playing football anymore, but you're going to, you're going to have fun. Your fun is in the winning or do you go to another team where they have more fun in the process, but maybe the result isn't as good. I guess it comes down to like what a player is looking for. Right. And, and what Tom Brady is looking for because Tom Brady left for somewhere that's probably going to be a lot more fun. Yeah. Well, I, I also think just him and, Bill Belichick, they both have egos, and not in un- maybe in an unhealthy way, but when you've had as much success as those two guys have had after 20 years and the egos that they've built, at some point they probably just got sick of each other. Yeah. I, I, I don't know anybody that, has, you know, if you have the same job for 20 years, you're going to get sick of your boss 
at some point you may not leave the company entirely, but maybe you do. I don't know. I, I, I've never had a job for 20 years, so I guess I'll, I'll report back if I ever get there. I've never had anything for 20 years. <laughs> well, there you go. I really haven't either. I guess I'm not old enough to have had that yet. So, yeah. So, you guys want to talk about some hockey now? Now we did our basketball side? Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it, yeah. Um, the only real news to discuss from uh, a Blackhawks perspective, and I guess this is from a hockey perspective too, is that on Monday the – AHL announced that it was canceling the rest of its season for going the Calder Cup playoffs, and I guess they're going to hope to do it all start from scratch in the fall and uh, have a full 2020-2021 season. Um, fingers crossed that that'll happen, and we won't even cross that bridge tonight because it's not worth getting into. Um, but I guess the ramifications of them canceling the league, and uh, Brandon Kane, we'll go to you first because I know you were in the seats for a lot of Rockford Ice Hogs and Chicago Wolves games over the past hockey season. Um, I guess what was your reaction when you found out the HL was going to do it? Not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> I, I, I think at, at this point, any league that decides to <laughs> you know, fold up the shop at this point, like if the NHL or the NBA announced tomorrow that they were done, I'd be like, yeah, well, that, that's, yeah, that's the way it's going. Yeah, I think the surprising part was they voted on it Friday – and then they didn't announce it until Monday, and everyone was like, "So is this going to leak out over the weekend, or like <laughs> you just going to say it? Like, why are we waiting?" Because it happened like during the day, so they had time in the afternoon to tell sponsors and business partners, "Hey, like, we're not coming back in the summer." So that was strange that they did it that way. Um, but I did appreciate the Ice Hogs and other AHL teams like making their coaches and some players available to media to get their reaction on not coming back. And then what is going to happen in the summer, as far as guys who are fringe guys who might be needed on expanded rosters, if the NHL comes back and how those players are training and what do you do to avoid burnout for guys when you don't even know if the HL season is going to start on time or if it'll be delayed. Cause you don't want to be training for five, six months and then go into a, condensed hockey season like that just would be miserable and you would be done within two months and probably injuries would be more prone to happen shepherd price what about you what were your reactions to the the news about the ahl canceling the season yeah as as somebody who's covered like brandon and ahl team although my team is was the wolves um it's also like realization that some players aren't going to come back to the ahl next year and some coaches like if if everything goes according to plan, Rocky Thompson has has coached his last game with the Chicago Wolves because he's one of the best head coaches, head coach candidates in the league in the and, and, and San realm. Antonio's right hockey team is not even going back to the city. Right, San Antonio didn't get a chance to say goodbye to their team because Vegas bought them and is moving them to Henderson next year. Like, there's a lot of things going down, and like, like the even the Vegas prospects are now leaving Chicago. Have left probably left Chicago for the last time. And, Mm-hmm. All the, all these rituals you would expect to be like meaningful are just now over, and it's it's interesting to see how this works out because the if the NHL goes the same way, like there's what what players have we already seen play their last games? Like Joe is Joe Thornton done and all all that? Well, he did shave the beard, so I mean, yeah, you gotta wonder. Oh, 
<laughs> I, I I was very surprised to see that. The way he did it was pretty is pretty adorable. He had his daughter involved in the in the in the video of it. But man, it was um The way he should have done it though is it should have been his retirement announcement and he's like in a barber chair and you see him with the beard and then he spins and then you don't you see his back for I don't know, a second or two, and then he spins around and his beard's gone. And then he just says, I'm retired. <laughs> I feel like that would have been like such a cool, like eight second clip or whatever. And then, he just, and then he just never has the beard again, that it was only a hockey thing. Yeah. So then, I mean, he probably, I don't know if he has any like endorsement thing with like beard brand, but like that would go away, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He should, if he doesn't, he's got one of the best beards in sports. And the Benz. Especially Jordy. Yeah, it was. It wasn't surprising the AHL canceled. I think the bigger concern now is you start to worry, like think about the AHL's long term future. Because I feel like a lot of the professional leagues will ultimately be okay on the other side of all of this. Because you know, like they've they've got enough money. There's TV deals. I, I feel like, like I I wouldn't be expecting any professional franchises in any of the five major American sports to fold. Well, MLS might be another story, but out of the NBA, MLB, NHL, and NFL, I think those four leagues, all their teams are probably going to be safe. But we start getting down to the minor leagues. That's where things I feel like get a lot hairier because they don't have like the TV revenue deals that the uh, major professional leagues can thrive off of. So like a lot of their money probably comes in fans coming to game and, you know, buying tickets, buying merchandise, buying concessions. Like, I don't know, I don't know, Brandon, if you've done any research or anything or talked to people in that realm, but it would seem like the AHL and just minor league sports in general, I, I know minor league baseball teams are massively concerned about their st- just ability to exist in the upcoming days, weeks, and months. Do, is there any similar things happening in the AHL world related to that? Yeah, because they're, like you said, revenue is based on, you know, getting fans in and merchandise and concessions and all that. Um, It's just, you think of what could happen if they don't play, like, do rosters expand and you basically have like a taxi squad game beforehand or like how that would work? Like, like a Friday night high school basketball, you do a JV game and then a varsity game? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That would be that would be one way, I guess, to get people to go. And then there's the the thought of like a guy like Michael Tepley who just signed. He can play in the AHL because he was drafted out of the Czech Republic and not a CHL team. Mm-hmm. But he also can go back to Winnipeg. So if there's players like in his situation that can play in the CHL, and the CHL is happening, then do like teams have to decide like, Hey, do we want him potentially here where he'd be closer with our developmental coaches or do we just send him back to junior and just have him rip it up? Yeah. And, and by the way, a really quick plug, uh, Brandon recorded a interview with Michael or excuse me, Mitch Peacock, who's the voice of the Winnipeg ice where Michael Tepley played last season. And there was a podcast released on Monday. So if you were interested in more information about Michael Tepley, uh, check out our 
uh, wherever you get your podcast. And we had a Monday episode that had more information on Michael Tepley. The thought that I just kind of casually mentioned about the uh, like the JV varsity games every time there's a hockey, maybe not every night that there's a an NHL game, but it feels like the NHL would need to do something to protect its minor leagues, or they have to do something because. I, it, it, the player development pipeline is going to be severely stifled if there's any sort of effect on the AHL's ability to exist as a league. And and then you, you go down further into the ECHL and then like the USHL and all the other uh, organized leagues throughout the United States and Canada. So there, there's, it feels like there's a lot at stake there and there's a lot that teams are going to be concerned about. And I don't have any good answers for that. And I don't think anybody does. But that's just more more things to be concerned about in the era of a pandemic. So, right, and and I think I I don't think we have to worry about the AHL because the NHL has direct interest in it and will not let the, any of those teams fail. They need those teams. Like every team needs their affiliate in the AHL. It's the it, it is the uh, ECHL and this SPHL we have to worry about where teams are going to fold. Yeah, yeah. I I think the the further you go down the ladder the higher the risk is that those teams are, are going to have trouble, you know, keeping their organization running just because all their revenue is disappearing. And that's the, I mean, that's the similar, it's a similar problem for any small business across the world right now. So. And the, the interesting, you brought up the USHL, there's guys who they plan to attend college in the fall, but they don't know, like, is hockey going to be a thing or no? Because they could stay in the USHL as an older player, but they don't know if that season's going to happen either on time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, college sports in general could be an issue because if they don't reopen campuses to students, right. I don't know how you have college sports. For there so, to be college sports, there must be college. And you don't, you don't know if there's exactly. – in, in, in the academic realm, they don't know if there's going to be college. There's probably not. There's, they're probably planning on online stuff already. Yeah. I've heard from, from other people mention that they're talking about not having students back. I, I can't – I won't say there's been any, like, specific articles or anything I've seen referenced, but that's some hearsay that I know I've heard from people who are in college saying that there already talks about having uh, – a fall semester or at least not a fall semester in person. And so, yeah, I, I like aside, it's interesting. Like, you know, we, we always talk about the NHL and when it's going to come back and how it's going to come back and all this and all that, but there's so many more layers to this than just what's going to happen to the NHL. And I think that's, that's part of the whole problem with everything right now. Um, it's, it's never, it, this is affecting everything, every single aspects of our lives from the top to the bottom and everything in between nothing is unaffected by this. I I can't think of anything that has happened in our lifetimes that is like it. It's like an ogre. It has many layers. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Break I can't think of anything in our parents' lifetimes that have, that like this, that has happened. I saw, I saw somebody mention somewhere the streak we've had of days without a sporting event yeah. in America. And it went back to, I think world war one. No, I can't remember. It, it was sometime between like sometime before 1950. It was before, maybe it was before 1920. Cause I think it was before the NFL got started is that's how long ago it's been that we have not had an organized sporting event in America. 
Yeah. And like, I, I think I, we, we discussed this briefly a couple podcasts ago when I, I mentioned like, this is the first time in, in that I can think of that sports has been stopped across the board in America since I might, and I threw out world war two. And I think it went back even before then. I wish I could find that tweet, but it's never going to happen at this rate. So um, it's, it's out there somewhere in the Twitterverse. I know if, if somebody wants to go look it up, they can find it. I'm sure it's, 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 it's crazy times, man. I, it's, I, I, keep, I feel like I, I've said that an ungodly amount of times in the last two months. It's the craziest time I've ever been a part of and hopefully will ever be a part of. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's all we can say is, yeah, yeah yep. I don't, yep. I, don't, I don't know what else to say to that. One thing I do want to touch on with you guys real quickly before we dive into some Blackhawks hypotheticals that we were mentioning earlier, and I'm going to apologize in advance because I didn't mention this in our pre-show meeting. So. I'm I'm throwing you guys at this throw this at you two blindly, but we'll we'll deal with it. On Monday, I believe this is dated. Yes, Monday at ESPN, uh, an article with both comments from both Emily Kaplan and Greg Wyshynski. But uh, the part here is attributed to Greg Wyshynski. Uh, they asked, "What's the latest on the playoff format?" Wyshynski replied with, "They can confirm that the league is currently focused on jumping directly to the Stanley Cup playoffs." rather than attempting to complete the regular season before the playoffs. What do you guys think about that? Well, the, 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 new, the other news is, is that they're thinking about our 24-team tournament, which would include your Chicago Blackhawks. So, uh, yeah. Oh, here, yeah. Further down, the New York, Post, yeah. New York Post reported that the NHL's reopening plan has shifted to staging a 24-team tournament that would include a best-of-three play-in round. Right, and then like, and, and then like in every other single area of life, New York Post is actually credible in hockey because uh, Larry Brooks works there. Okay. So, oh, John uh, Tortorella's favorite reporter. Yes. Um, <laughs> Brooksy. Hey, uh, hey, Brooksy, why don't you get the fuck out of here? <laughs> but yeah, oh, the, so the, 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 the Blackhawks might not be done playing hockey, but like the teams like the Detroit Red Wings, who have zero reason to return to hockey, are done. Yeah, I, if uh, they do 24 I mean, do teams. the Blackhawks, though? Uh, I mean, if Corey Crawford is still, like, what he's been throughout most of this season, maybe. <laughs> I could if, if Corey Crawford just stands on his head throughout the tournament, I can see his, see the Blackhawks somehow finding a way I mean, deep into it. You know, it, it, all you need, like you said, you know. Is love. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, John. Um. You, yeah, you get Corey Crawford hot for a few weeks. Patrick Kane goes off. Or, like, you need Corey Crawford and a scoring line. And if maybe they can just win every game four to three. And, you know, I mean, if it's a short, like, best of – the Hawks can win some best of threes. Maybe even some best of fives. Maybe one best of five. So like their, their, their team has – Every now and then, when everything clicked for them perfectly, they would kick somebody's ass. I think, like, the game they played against – well, it was against a bad San Jose Sharks team. But the way – the last game that they played when they stomped San Jose 6-2, to two, like, that was kind of – that was kind of the way that team can look at its highest level. And if it just – you know, playoffs are weird, especially in hockey, and crazy shit happens all the time. Um, maybe not to the uh, extent of the Hawks, like, running to the cup, but – I could see them stealing a, a round in a, or in, two. In a best of three. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So is it, who, know, who knows? Maybe Alex Dabrinkat has a final form. We've never seen him in the playoffs. Yeah. There is you go. Best a of three. Form, and then, I love it. 
is it best of three and then it goes to like the normal playoff structure or how does that work? It, it I, include, I don't know. It just, all this says is it will include a best of three play in a round. After that, who, who knows? I would hope because that I feel like they should go the threes. basketball way and do best of three, best of five, and then seven, seven. Yeah. I don't, as long as because you, as long as you, best of sevens is just stupid as it is. It's bad. As long as you award right now, you right to, now it's bad. I feel like you have to award the cup after a best of seven. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, that, that's, yeah. that's the only requirement for me. If you want to do some threes and fives, because yeah. Do you I think mean, they I should just, do the, instead of best of three, do it best of two on aggregate? Or do you think that would make people's yeah. heads spin? I, I feel like the, the the concept of aggregate is strictly a soccer thing and no other sports want to adopt that. No. I, I, I like it. I think it's a good idea, but it just it doesn't seem like anybody any other sport is willing to do that. I think it'd be great if the Blackhawks like win three to two and then lose the next one. And everyone's like, what they lost? Oh no, they they won. They 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 went on the road goals uh tiebreaker. Yeah. It'd be great. I'm all for the chaos. Yeah, I like. I, I think we because there's no before. asterisks next to the Blackhawks 2013 Cup. Exactly. Well, we so played 48 games in the regular season, and then the right, and then the actual playoffs that year. There should be no asterisk. I agree. So there shouldn't be on this one if it happens. No, there should be on this one. Mm. Yeah, it's a tricky situation for not only for the NHL, but it's a tricky situation for them and I think the NBA right now because they're the two seasons that got cut short at the end and then MLB will have like the opposite problem of trying to figure out how to start and what and then the NFL God only knows I don't know I, I, I I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions but I go back to what we discussed a couple weeks ago I if there was ever a time to just do some goofy shit this is that time um, I don't I don't I don't know what that would entail but Feel, I, I think it'd be fun. Like you said, Brandon, I'm all for chaos. Maybe maybe we just need a little bit of sports chaos because everything else kind of feels chaotic, so maybe sports should join the, join the party. What about if people made shirts that said, do that goofy shit? <laughs> um, well, tell you what, you can start and let me know how that goes, uh, <laughs> and then I'll take 10% of the profits. <laughs> I feel like Disney would want a hundred percent of that. <laughs> <laughs> do they own? Do they own copyrights to the word "goofy"? Oh, they probably I would, do. I, I, they, I, it makes sense if they do. I, they, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be allowed to cat to do that, though. Especially after Ohio State tried and failed with the word "the." Hey, that reminds me of my fa- one of my favorite jokes. Uh, do you know why Mickey and Minnie got divorced? Because she was fucking goofy. <laughs> I like it. There you go. I'll be here all week, folks. God knows I can't go anywhere else. I actually Woo! went. I went to a Dick Sporting Goods today. I'm I'm in Indiana where they and today on Monday they opened retail stores in my county for the first time since March. And so I I went to a Dick Sporting Goods trying to find something I couldn't buy anything because their computers were down. But. Uh, I walked in, I was wearing a mask, and it there was something oddly comforting about just walking around a store for the first time in two months. Walking around a store that wasn't a grocery store. Because I, you know, I haven't been able to do that in a very long time. And there was only like three people in there and like some associates that worked there, but it was just like it felt like, all right, maybe, maybe we're not gonna be stuck in quarantine situation forever. Just a very, very long time. Yeah, yeah. 
Mitch Trubisky jersey is still $100, by the way. Just Why? Oh, wait, he still plays there. He plays for you guys, doesn't he? <laughs> well, kind of. He's on the roster still for another year at least. He's your backup quarterback, right? Oh, probably if we get football. Well, I think that's enough of whatever the hell we just did for the last 30 minutes. So we're going to take a brief eh, – that's easy for me to say. Going to take a brief time out, and we're going to come back on the other side, and we're going to talk about some Blackhawks hypotheticals. It's part of this kind of what-if week that SB Nation has been doing, and uh, we'll get into that in just a few minutes. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Welcome back to Musings on Madison, and as promised before the break, we want to dive into some uh, Blackhawks hypotheticals as part of the what-if week that's been going on at at the SB Nation family of websites, and it's kind of hard to do this for the Blackhawks, because we were talking about this before we came on the air. With so many teams, (laughs) with virtually every other professional sports team except for the Patriots and the San Francisco Giants, who also won three championships in the last decade. The Patriots got three in the last decade, right? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, And I know the Giants did too. So other than those two teams, those two teams and the Blackhawks were the only three teams that got three championships in the last decade. So it's really hard to sit here and play the what-if game because so many of the things that the Blackhawks did actually worked out. And it'd only be like in the negative thing of, well, what if they didn't draft Kane? What if they didn't draft Taze? What if they didn't sign Hosa and re-sign Martin Havlat instead? And I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to do those because those are just mainly, you know, if they don't draft Kane, they probably don't win the cup. They don't draft Taze. They probably don't win the three cups. So on and so forth from there. So what I was kind of leaning towards is maybe the things that happened during the cup run and since the cup runs that have led to the Blackhawks where they are now, which is – um, hoping for a 2014 playoff format to say that they made the playoffs. So uh, I guess I, I'll turn this over to Brandon Shepard first. I, I don't know. Are there any, what are some of the big hypothetical, I guess maybe some of the big turning moments or turning points for this franchise that have happened in the last maybe six to seven years. And maybe we can dive into some of the hypotheticals surrounding those situations. Uh, Brandon, I'll start with you. All right. So my biggest hypothetical starts 10 years ago with the 2010 draft when they took Kevin Hayes instead of Evgeny Kuznetsov or Brock Nelson. If you take, if they take Kuznetsov, then they're, you destroy that searching for the second line center narrative. That was so prevalent. And he stepped into the Capitals lineup in 2013, 14 season. So that would have been right after the second cup, which would be perfect timing because then you think that they don't go and get Brad Richards and then they don't maybe have to go for Vermette 
in that cup run, and then that gives them a pick for 2015. So, and he's still going strong. Here, here's my my uh, retort to that, and not, not that like I've, the the draft the draft ones are always so tough for me because like there's always so many damn hypotheticals with with drafts, and I, I guess when you get down to where the Hawks, you know, they picked Hayes 24th, and Kuznetsov was picked 26th. I mean, you could even go like 28th was Charlie Coyle, 30th was Brock Nelson. The second round, Justin Falk went. So, like, there, there's some other names out there. But, like, when it's between, like, one and two, very often, like, or I guess maybe not one and two, because sometimes there's some debate there. But, like, between, like, one and four, it's like there's usually a clear-cut number one overall pick. And, and no matter what team was in that situation, they were going to pick X player. Like, Patrick Kane was pretty much a consensus number one, if I remember correctly. I don't think there were too many people clamoring – for JVR that year. But the one thing I will say, how do you afford Evgeny Kuznetsov with everybody else? Because he had an entry-level deal for his first three seasons. And then I'm, I'm looking at his contract right now up on Camp Friendly. So he had his entry-level deal the first three seasons. Then in 20, then he signed in 2014, he signed a two-year deal with a cap hit of 2.8. That might have... through the 2015 season. Not a bad deal. He signed another two-year bridge deal in 2015 that took him for the next three seasons at $3 million per year. That even might be affordable. But then you get to the deal he signed in the summer of 2017. Eight years, $62 million. You find me $7.8 million on the Blackhawks salary cap that you could give to getting Kuznetsov right now. Uh, The Seabrook contract. (laughs) Damn it. All right. Yeah, and then you like think about you have Panarin, Kuznetsov, and Kane playing well, on the same line. Well, how, how do you right. afford, afford Panarin with that? Well, but, that becomes a problem. When, when Panarin first came to town, though, the first year or two of his, he was very – I think he was under a million the first yeah. year. Yeah. And actually – and that's – we're going to come back to Artemi Panarin because that, that's, that's one of my hypotheticals. That's, I, that's a pretty good one, Brandon. Like, there's – if – you consider that Kuznetsov through the end of the 2015 season, the highest his salary cap hit was going to be was uh, 2.8 and a quarter. Like you can, you can live with that. I think the Blackhawks very much could have lived with that. I mean, I don't, I don't know if they have uh, the archives on cap friendly. Don't go back to the 2015 season, unfortunately, but I think you could probably find a couple million. I mean, how much money were they giving to Michael Hanzus those years? Probably more in medicals than his actual salary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, it can't have been that much. And, and, uh, I'm pulling up right his, his cap hits in 2013. He was at uh, – well, he signed with the Blackhawks. He signed a one-year deal in 2013. So the 13-14 season, he made a million. And that was his last season in Chicago. So I guess so, – so there's – it was only a million for Hanzoos. And then see Brad Richards got he got like two million I think it wasn't it was not a ton of money yeah he was on a two million dollar deal with Chicago so yeah yeah, yeah you might have been able to wiggle his nuts off in there yeah yeah all right all right that, that was a good one Brad I that that was uh, an off the board pick and then you also wouldn't have had all the Kevin Hayes drama which was just annoying as hell and I yes. feel like the Kevin Hayes drama is exactly why everybody freaked out about Ian Mitchell going back to college for another year. 
Which was crazy because like Ian Mitchell is not a guy who's going to like shit in a stairwell. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like Ian Mitchell always said he was siding with the Blackhawks. I don't remember the Kevin Hayes thing. I don't know if he specifically said he was always going to sign with the Hawks. He ultimately uh, did not. But like Ian Mitchell said, I think he was getting sick of telling Scott Powers that he was signing with the Hawks when everything was done. But I don't know. I guess people wouldn't take him at his word because of Kevin Hayes. Uh, so, yeah, so that was a good one, Brandon. Shepard, what about you? What's your big hypothetical? What if the St. Louis Blues were actually a smart team uh, and drafted appropriately when they had the first overall pick and chose Jonathan Tapes? Uh, I think it takes two to tango, and I think it takes two to win this – well, more than two, but it takes two primary stars to win three cups in Chicago. And if the Blackhawks see that they're one of those two go to uh, their arch rival now – uh, as Detroit's moved away, I don't think the Blackhawks have three. The Blackhawks might even have one if if Patrick Kane's playing first line minutes, um, and is basically the the heart of the team. Yeah, I mean, just like think of that from the opposite perspective. Like, imagine if, like you said, in the mid two thousands, imagine if the Red Wings were picking, uh, the Red Wings were picking third overall, the Blackhawks were first overall, the Blackhawks picked Eric Johnson, and then the Red Wings got Jonathan Taves. Right, and like, and the thing is, oh. Eric Johnson's a perfectly respectable pick. He's a great yeah. he's a great workhorse, well, but he's not a first overall pick guy. Yeah, okay, he's he's a solid like first round pick if you're down in like the twenties maybe. But for a number one overall pick, you're supposed to get like a franchise defining type of player. I mean, like, and especially in that era, like some of the guys that were going first overall, you know, in two thousand five it was Sidney Crosby, in two thousand four it was Alex Ovechkin. In 2003, it was Mark Andre Fleury, and then uh, Rick Nash. Before that, I mean, those are all. Those are probably four straight, like, legit guys worthy of the number one overall selection. And then before yeah. that was Ilya Kovalchuk. I'm just going back until all right. Here we go. Now we found a bus. 2000 Rick DiPietro. There's there's your first. Well, that was only a bust. He was he was certainly talented. It was just he was just a bust because of injuries. Oh, okay, yeah, and that's also a fair point. And then now I'm going to go the opposite direction, and I'm trying to name some. Obviously, Kane in '07. Yep. Then yeah, like, so what, you had Patrick Stamkos? Kane, and then after that, right. yeah, Stamkos. Who's 2009? Tavares. Ah, well done, Shepard. 2010. 2010. No. Taylor Hall over Tyler Sagan. Yes. Correct. Uh, what about 20? The only reason I remember that is because there's some stupid ass video of those two in a hallway in Philadelphia meeting Patrick Kane before some game <laughs> in the cup final. And Patrick's like, oh, the American. Yeah, I like you. And then he like walks away and it's the dumbest thing I've seen. That sounds like an NHL production right there. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but the thing with that is, like, I feel like Taves' reputation might be a little bit different because yeah. then he's playing with TJ Oshie, and based on their college experience together, I don't know. Yeah. Might <laughs> Taves would be a part here. <laughs> okay. But, like, let's not pretend that there weren't some bad influences in Chicago. Yep. You know? I mean, yeah, I mean, one kind of already – or, well, two of them are working in TV now. But, yeah. I mean, that all they talk about with that 2010 team, all they did was play and then go to the bar till 3 in the morning, like the whole freaking team, because they were all between the ages of 21 and 24. 
They stay and there is the John bars. Madden. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, John Madden living out his college days that he probably didn't get because I don't think he went to college. That's just like a, a wild thing to think about is like all these guys and then there's like John Madden. Like, hey, um, guys, we got to like – I take it back. back. John Madden played at Michigan. I assume, I assume since he was Canadian. Oh, so he didn't go to college. Okay. There you go. But, <laughs> wow. 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 <laughs> Mm. Still, still getting our shots off, even in the midst of a pandemic. Well, well done, Brandon. What's your, what's your hypothetical, Dave? Um, it's mainly involves the the one day, and I'm going to, I'm writing an article about this that should be up on Friday at our website. But it mainly involves the the summer of 2017 when it, within an hour of each other they traded away uh, Artemi Panarin and Nick Jalmerson and got Brandon Sod back and got Connor Murphy. Yeah. And I feel because I feel like that was the turning point from when the Blackhawks went to a team that was hanging on to a playoff spot to no longer in the playoff picture. And they haven't gotten back since. Um, One bad week and they fucked it all up. <laughs> yeah. And like I, I've gone I've been I've gone back and forth about this for a long time about whether or not that trade was a good idea or not, because. You know, like. Our Tammy Panarin has turned out to be like the, I, I think even better than we realized he was going to be in Chicago. Like, I don't know. I, I think there was always the concern that away from Kane, he wouldn't be able to play as well. Well, he has, he's still been, he may not have been able to reach the levels that he would if he'd stayed with Kane his entire career. Cause no one could get him to puck as well as Kane has, but it's not like he, you know, he has 95 points in 69 games. Nice this season. He's going to score if they played 13 more games. He'd crack 100 points playing without Patrick Kane. So it's not like he was hurting for talent away from Kane. And, like, you know, they signed with that bridge deal of $6 million for two seasons. That was exactly what Brandon Saad's salary was for two seasons. So that it was that, that those two trades, after you look at them, they're basically a wash financially for two seasons. Then you get into what would have, would have been starting this season. Panarin signed that massive deal in New York in the summer that uh, takes his salary cap hit up to 11.6 million. I, I don't know where you find $11 million on this roster. It's like, I want to, I want to, as much as I want to criticize Stan Bowman for making that trade, they never would have been able to keep Artemi Panarin after right. this summer. There's just no way. And they hadn't and, won and, a cup with him yet. They had won two cups with, with Brandon Sod. Yeah. And yeah, and even if you put if you leave Artemi Panarin and Nicholas Jalmerson on the Hawks teams of the last two seasons, do they win a cup either of those no. years? No. No. Like I you can only score so many goals. And God knows they couldn't stop. And so the like the the math, the way I was seeing the math work out, you could probably squeeze Panarin onto this year's Blackhawks team if you account for the six million dollars that are going to Brandon Sod. And then you take the money that's going to Connor Murphy and maybe Panarin to say, if he stays in Chicago, he only takes like 10, 10 and a half, slight, like 10 and a quarter million to stay just under Taves and King. So that Taves and King still have the highest salary cap hits on the team. Cause apparently that was a big deal to dogs, whatever. But then you have, uh, you, you, so you have Artemi Panarin instead of Brandon Saad, and then you don't have Connor Murphy. So who the hell plays defense? Exactly. 
who play who plays defense on this team if both if you don't if you don't have if you trade Yalmerson for like picks let's say instead of Connor Murphy who the hell who's yeah who's playing defense on this team yeah like they they can't play defense now you want old you want to take Duncan Keith <laughs> Duncan Keith can't play forty minutes a night no we cannot he Let can't play he, he shouldn't really be playing twenty five anymore <laughs> right yeah I mean I mean and like. Because of that, there, there's so many other things that wouldn't really change. Like that, that's I think that's the main your main thing is would they've won the cup the last two seasons with Artemi Panarin in town? No. Could they have afforded to re-sign him this summer? Probably not. So I'm not going to say the Blackhawks won the trade, but kind of in retrospect, I don't think it was a, a bad idea to trade Artemi Panarin. What I do think was a bad idea was maybe trading. Maybe getting a better return should have been is the issue. Like, yeah. not that Brandon Sod's bad, but maybe they needed more help on the blue line than they realized. And and not not just flipping Yalmerson for Connor Murphy. Maybe you needed Ryan uh, like a Justin Falk type, or I don't even know who was available in trade rumors at the time because that was three years ago. But Are you, I don't think you can pull, could have pulled down one of those two superstars and. Uh, Wierenski and Jones, but you got You got They needed to. It. I hope they at least tried. Panarin for Jones would have been. I mean, Panarin for Wierenski would have been. Uh, yeah, for Wierenski or Seth Jones. Well, that was. It was the summer before. I was. I was thinking of the uh, Subban trade for Shea Weber, but that was the summer before. And uh, Zach Wierenski, he hadn't really broken out yet, had he? Because he was. He was drafted in fifteen. He didn't. He debuted that season so in the summer of 2017. He debuted in the 16-17 season. So I don't, and I don't know if Zach Wierenski necessarily solves the problems that this team has. Maybe you get more right. defensive-minded guy from Columbus. I don't. I, I, I guess. I guess your, if your gripe with Stan Bowman is trading away Artemi Panarin, I think that's misguided. And I think I think that the hypothetical is what if they had gotten a, a more appropriate return than Brandon Saad and Connor Murphy in those deals. Oh, not even right. the Connor Murphy one. Just Yeah, I'll leave Connor Murphy out of it. Yeah, because I, I don't my think, sweet boy. I think that's actually a, a good trade in hindsight. I think the, the issue was trading away Artemi Panera and getting Brandon Saad in return. I think they could have set the bar higher than getting Brandon Saad back. What about instead of Forsberg if they got Elvis? I mean, what does Elvis change? Because he's not replacing Corey Crawford in that. Yeah, I mean, they they had Robin Leonard at the start of the season, so the the goaltending was not an issue for this team for the the first three quarters of it. And yeah, but like twenty seventeen was pretty 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 bad. Well, yeah. Well, that, well, that was after Crawford got hurt, though. Like you can't. You right, can't, and, and also would 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 Elvis be here? In twenty in twenty seventeen, yeah, he didn't even break into the NHL until this past season. He didn't come over, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was just a thought. <laughs> so you shat mean, on it. Didn't mean to shout you down, Brandon. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't. What I don't about know. Other, I, I mean, can't remember if there were big trades yeah. that summer, but I don't. know. It does. It, I guess that's that's the hindsight. Maybe they they sold low on Panera, and I think that might have been the issue. I think and the that. Only, that the only other one that I have for a hypothetical is if Kane didn't break his collarbone. How so? It, 
Because then they don't have cap relief to go get Vermette. Yeah. Okay. Well, how they scratched Vermette for a couple playoff games, so. That was but, some Looney Tune shit. Like, people <laughs> went crazy about that. I, I was like, well, just relax, maybe. I don't know. I I remember being one of the people who was not particularly thrilled with that decision, so I cannot. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I feel like at, at that point we had. Um, it feels like you should have been able to grant Joe Quinville the benefit of the doubt, but it still just it wasn't happening apparently at that time. That leads to one of my other remaining what ifs. What if Barry Smith was never put on the bench the first time that when Stan Bowman first made that executive decision? Was he put on, was he put on the bench or I thought he just came to a practice and like ran the power play, which I got think, power play. I thought play. he was. It had to be more than that to upset Quinville, but like well, that's the, I mean, that's the that's what first eroded their relationship. What if their relationship was somehow remained strong? Um, and then the other one, the other massive one, is what if Hosa doesn't sign sign here? Yeah, like that's that's an inter- interesting thought because Martin Havlett was a very very good hockey player, and I he's don't, not Hosa. No, he's not. He's absolutely not Marion Hosa. But if the with the drop off from Hosa to Havlat be enough that you would yes. say that that team would not win a cup? Yes. A cup. Just one. Yeah, yes. just one. Yes. Oh. I, I, think Mar- I think I think Marion Hosa was the best wing in hockey, just like Mark Stone is, uh, for, a, for a, quite a while. Okay, but you're not, re- you're not replacing Marion Hosa with, like, a bum. Like, you know, Martin Havlat was, like, top six worthy. Although, and they made the conference final the year before. Yeah. Right, but although, I would rather I would, have that have that was skating on the third line at the time because he was I would like, rather have the guy who went to two straight cups over him. Well, of of course you'd rather have Hosa. I I, I mean and and Havlat was still kind of in the prime of his career, he was in his late 20s. I think the issue there is that you might have been worried that Havlat was going to get hurt again because he got hurt like he played his first season in Chicago, he played 56 games. The second season, he played 35 games. I think it was the second season when he came out the first game of the year, he messed up his shoulder and missed, like, half the year. And, that, and like, as soon as he got hurt, you threw your hands up and go, oh, well, this season's over. Although that was the year Taves and Kane debuted, so it wasn't over by any means. But I don't know. That, that's, that's, a more, that's a very interesting thought of – I don't. I. I mean, that team was still. Here's. I guess uh, the other. The other tiebreaker involved in this scenario is what was a salary cap situation because Hosa's was like five or six million forever. Still, still carrying some weight actually over in uh, what you call it, Arizona now. Yeah, that's where it's kind. And Havlet's contract was only four and a quarter. He signed a six-year when he got turned down by the Blackhawks. He signed a six-year deal at four and a quarter million or 4.25 million through uh, with the Minnesota wild. What do you do with the wild? Well, not much. Cause those teams sucked. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, Hosa's and Hosa's contract was actually 5.275. So only like a $1 million difference. And it wouldn't have saved the Hawks from the cap hell that they endured after the 2010 season. So I don't know. I, I think this is part of me just favoring Martin Havlat because I really liked Martin Havlat as a hockey player, but mm, I don't know. I, I, cause I don't know if they, 
necessarily needed Marion Hosa to put him over the top. They did. He's the best free agent signing in Chicago sports history, like pretty easily. Yeah, major four-wise. Major four-wise. Yes. Uh, no, uh, Brandon, you're going to bring up <laughs> Sam Kerr? No. Who? I said major four-wise, yes. Well, then, oh, you, who, who's the who's exception? Who's the one you go off the board for? Ante, the Chicago Fire player. Ante Razov? Yeah. I, I don't even know what the Soccer Hall of Fame Have is. they won? Yeah, they won a lot with him. Well, they won one MLS Cup, and then they won, like, a shit ton of U.S. Cups. But, yeah, he's their all-time leading scorer, fifth in MLS history. He's a dude. Yeah, but the MLS isn't even the best soccer league. It's like, where, where, does, where does the MLS rank in the pantheon of professional sports leagues? Like, oh, in, in, like, the early 2000s, late 90s? I have no idea. Even but now, now it's probably, like, a top – was Ante, was Ante Razov Ante Razov? I'm saying his name wrong. Ante, I can't even say it. I need another beer. That'll help me talk better. Was Was he even good enough to play in the Premier League? I guess that's that's my argument here. Is that <laughs> You're like, he, he was play playing in the, in the he was playing in the JV League, man. Like, yeah, the Fire had great success with him and all that, but Marion Hosa was playing top top table teams. He did play for – I can't even say that name. I'm not going to go for it. But. I'm, I'm look, I'm look, uh, Le- Lester? No. Never mind. I, I, all I see on his uh, football reference page is MLS ones. I see, I see no, no European soccer anywhere unless I'm missing something. He played in Spain. He left. Okay. All right. But All I right. thought it was Liga, but it was the step down from it. He so there you go. Top league. All right. I rest my case, Your Honor. Come on. Marion Hose is a better signing than Ante Razo. What about Sam Kerr? <laughs> now, you, now you go to Kerr. Wasn't there she like – I feel like she was like much older, like near the end of her career when she came to Chicago. Well, she won no. MVP. Oh, actually, I think that was a trade. Now that I think about it, yeah, oh, I'm pretty then, sure that was a trade. Then, then it's definitely Hosa. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Well, even okay. even outside the top four. All right, thank you. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that we were able to confirm that you are wrong, Brandon. <laughs> hey, I mean, there's a first for everything. I, I love to see that your humility has is endured through. <laughs> Kicked in the full gear. Yeah. Um, I guess so, some of the other hypotheticals. Yeah, Kerr's only 26. She's she's kicking it. Okay. All right. With Chelsea now. But yeah. Anyway. Chelsea Dagger? No. I, I Chelsea in England. I'm just we're we're a Black House podcast. Anytime I hear Chelsea, I guess we're contractually obligated to say Chelsea to, Dagger. To mention the song. Not yes. not the obnoxious soccer team. Soccer pro whatever the hell they're called. Football club. Yeah. Those guys. Football club? Yeah. I guess some of the, some of the other hypotheticals. I'm I'm sure somebody is screaming at their uh, radio or whatever right now. The the Brent Seabrook contract extension is obviously a big hypothetical, and I don't disagree with you, but I have a hard time. Like the Blackhawks had to do. Oh, I'm trying to figure out how to word this properly. Maybe I'll just edit out all this rambling beforehand. It would have been a real bad look. PR wise, to mm-hmm. let Seabrook walk at just after they'd won a third cup. 
So I and and I feel like the Blackhawks at that time were and as long as McDonough was around, they were very concerned with their look in the public eye. So I don't think Seabrook was ever going to leave. I right. don't think they necessarily had to give him a seven year contract extension or eight years, however. No. An ironclad one at that. Yeah. They could have done what they did with Tosa and front load it. Yeah. Well like, no, was they, wasn't that illegal by then though? They they the NHL made that illegal at some point that front loading. Yeah, and it, it it is kind of front loaded actually, Brandon. Like his his base salary, well, it goes back and forth. Actually. I mean, it doesn't dwindle like Hosa's did, where it was like a million bucks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. Um, no, there was there was some clause in the CBA that came out after 2013's lockout, where there's some kind of restriction on the spread of the salary over the life of the contract. If okay, I get what you're saying. Shepherd, I forget. Yeah. Exa- yeah, I don't remember the details of it, but I know there's something in there that says you can only your salary can only vary a certain amount over the course of the contract. Yep. But yeah, the the no movement like an eight year contract extension with no movement clauses and then a modified no trade clause. Yeah, they didn't have to do all that for uh, Seabrook. I mean, and, and and obviously hindsight's involved here. The other deal that looks well, they they let go of Sharp. So, I mean... Well, yeah, but, I mean, Sharp was... They traded him and special boy Stephen Johns. <laughs> who, who I thought... I really thought Stephen Johns was going to be something. And he might st- he, he's still young. He yeah. might still be yeah. something. He, he just he, had an injury problems. Oh, that's what I was going to say. He's had, he's had a lot of injury issues. I mean, and Seabrook, let's see, after the, fifth, the 15 season, Seabrook would have been 30. And Patrick Sharp, after the 2015 season, would have been 34. So I guess it's a slightly different scenario. But, yeah, I don't – Sign him for four. Huh? Sign him for four then. (laughs) Right, yeah. Well, If they signed him for a four-year deal, this would be – he would have been up at the end of last summer. Or, no, it it didn't go in effect until the 16-17 season. So it would have been – this would have been the final season of it. So. Wouldn't that be amazing? You're like, well, sorry, you like busted both your hips and your yeah, shoulder, yeah. Like... He spent. He would have spent his last season with the Blackhawks on long-term injured reserve. For... I think. I also think we would have done the Roosevelt thing with him, where we were just basically paying him to re to rehab. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. They, they're. They're. Hey, at least he's. I'm not around, convinced like, they're not going to try and that, but. Right. At least he would stick around, unless uh, I'm like uh, Kim Johansson. Okay. Or just like yeah. disappear, just disappear off the face of the earth. The go- the ghost of Kim Johnson that hung around the 2010 team. The other contract that comes up in this discussion is always Brian Bickles, and I think his is even more of a unique situation because he went on such a tear during the 2013 playoffs, and you know he was at at the time you know he signed that in 2013, so he's only 27 years old. He just had an ungodly playoff run, you figure a four-year deal, probably kind of safe, right? Like $4 million, maybe slightly higher, but not really all that ugly considering what he'd just done in the playoffs. And if he'd, you know, come close to that in the next few seasons, it wouldn't have been that bad of a deal. I really think it was just the unfortunate medical situation that developed for Bickle that really made that look bad. And I, I don't know what you do about that for the Hawks. You can't. Do anything. 
yeah, there's nothing. That's just that's just shitty luck. I guess that was one thing that didn't go right for them. I still don't know if you had to trade Tavo Teravainen to get rid of that contract, but that's another. Well, story. Didn't we also, didn't the Blackhawks also do that with like one year remaining of Brian Bickle? Yeah, they they traded him away in the summer of 2016, and his contract expired in uh, 2017. And I could pull, I'm trying to pull up the Blackhawks cap payroll from the 2017, excuse me, from the 16 to 17 season. I mean, they were, they were 10 grand under the cap ceiling of 73 million. And I believe uh Tara Vinen was on a relatively cheap contract at the time. He was making 1.46. Well, it wasn't even about the salary cap for him. It was about, Encouraging the black, encouraging another team to take on Brian Bickle's contract, so they threw Table Teravine at into the deal to make it work. And I and but the, the other issue is going down the Blackhawks roster from that season and trying to find four million dollars that you could give to Brian Bickle to keep him on the team to keep Table Teravine. And there's not, I mean, maybe you don't sign Artem Anisimov. I don't know. He was signed the year before, so that doesn't even apply. Here. Right, and you only have to you, like. I think at that time you could bury nine seventy five nine hundred seventy five k. So you really only had to find three three million. Well, I go down that roster and find three million dollars for me. When you're at the end of the season, their cap space was ten thousand dollars. So obviously they were up against it. Yeah, I don't know. I again, it kind of goes back to the main point though, just that. We're, it's like we're nitpicking at this point because so many things went right during the last decade that a lot of the hypotheticals are kind of irrelevant because they did win three cups. So, you know, it's, it's, I think the, the more interesting things to talk about is what got the Blackhawks in the spot they're in right now, which is not anywhere near a playoff spot. It basically is going to take a pandemic to get the Blackhawks back into the playoffs. It might have just happened, yeah. Yeah, so... So there's I mean, a, we all know like what the the biggest like what if thing is the Esposito trade. Yeah, it's like, the it's, maybe it's don't the old time party stuff. And flap your gums that you're not happy about your situation and then get traded. I don't know, man. The the one about them potentially trading Ed Belfo for Eric Lindros and then having Eric Lindros on the mid nineties Hawks with Dominic Hasek and Net. I don't know if that I mean spicy. Whew, huh? I said that's spicy. I would yeah. Enjoy that. That that would have been. I there were some obviously some uh, unholy, incredibly good Detroit and Colorado teams during that era, but I feel like a Hawks team with Hashik and Net and and Lindros skating with Ronick and Amani and Joe Murphy and Chelios and all those other guys. Maybe with those guys on the roster, in addition to the players they already had, which was a pretty good roster, maybe that team is able to steal the Stanley Cup before the Red Wings and Avalanche really took over the Western Conference. Yeah, Western Conference. I got confused. I get confused with basketball because I'm watching this Jordan documentary and the Bulls are in the Eastern Conference and, and then the NHL, the Blackhawks are in the West. Maybe, it, makes no, it makes no sense that the Bulls no, are in the East. It makes no goddamn sense, and it's very confusing. But what I was trying to say is maybe those mid-'90s Blackhawks teams are able to steal a Stanley Cup before Detroit and Colorado take over for the rest of that decade. There we go. Easy for me to say, right? 
Well, I think, I think in, in light of all of the stuttering, see, I can't even talk now. Just wrap this thing up. Brandon Shepard, any final thoughts before, while I'm still not saying things properly? I th- yeah, I think, I think you're right that like, you have to go back to the old times to actually find something that is an actual big what if. Like, what if Charlie Gardner survives? What if Charlie Gardner lived longer and played longer? For the if you don't, I mean, if you don't know what who Charlie Gardner is, kids, look up, look up your Blackhawks history. He's the very first of the Blackhawks long line of great goaltenders. As as beyond B sides at this point, he was like the best goaltender of his era, and like his era was like the nineteen twenties. But still, well, I can tell you, you Google his name, and all the pictures are in black and white. So, and he's not wearing a face mask, so that tells you how long ago it was that he was playing in net. And by face mask, I mean helmet. See, I yeah. can't say, I can't say anything right. Brandon, what about you? Any final thoughts? The Blackhawks are their 2013 championship run is going to be aired on NBC Sports Chicago starting Monday at 4 p.m. each day. So if you are working from home or you are just at home not working, tune into that and watch the Blackhawks be a good hockey team. There you go. Yeah. And maybe, just maybe, you'll get to watch them play in the playoffs in a month or two. And realize that, like, hey, like, they're not good now, but, like, damn, that was a great run. So maybe it's okay that they're shit now. It's tr- It's hard to have the the context or un- have the perspective of, yeah, they're bad now, but, man, they did get three cups out of it all. I that could, Maybe we can do this debate some other time of, whether or not they needed to be as bad as they are now as like the price for winning three cups earlier this decade. But I, know, I hear you. It's a pretty good run, man. <laughs> like I, uh, I can tell you no other team I'm cheering for. Well, I guess, you know, it's weird to say this while we're also talking about a documentary about a team that won six championships in eight years. So, yeah. So now we just need the White Sox dynasty to take over the 2020s. I mean, we're gonna, we're gonna yeah, see it. Yeah, yeah. Whenever baseball but, comes back, we're just winning the all the World Series trophies are coming to the South Side. So just, just believe in Aloy. Yeah, it's it really it's it's just it's. Uh, I was gonna give all the credit to Jerry Reinsdorf, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to give credit to the owners. I'm gonna give credit to the players. Yeah, Eloy, Tim Anderson, Louis Robert, 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 Yoan. Dude, I can't. I, we gotta end this shit. I can't talk anymore. And thank <laughs> so, you, Rick Hahn. We'll, we'll end it with this. Thank you, Rick Hahn. There you go. Thank you, Rick Hahn. Thank you for uh, leading us out of whatever the hell the last five years were. Can't wait to watch Yon Mankata hit home runs in the World Series. It's going to be a great time. But in the meantime, thank you very much for listening to this incoherent rambling that we call a podcast. Now, it wasn't an all-incoherent rambling, but it definitely is now. But again, thank you for listening. Uh, for Brandon, for Shepard, I'm your host, Dave Melton. Stay tuned to secondcityhockey.com. We got plenty of random content coming up to hopefully keep you entertained and informed while we are living in this hockeyless void and fingers crossed that at some point soon we do get some Blackhawks hockey to write about again if they decide to put the Blackhawks in the playoffs yeah maybe they don't necessarily belong there but god damn it we'll write about it because I'll enjoy watching it um but we hope everyone's staying safe keep washing your hands stay home if you're sick uh try and keep all the social distancing things so we can all stay safe and watch hockey whenever it gets back and uh yeah 
Crystal Hawks.